last Sunday we started a series called Sustaining Grace and I want to push into that conversation a little bit more because the mood of culture, the mood of um, the atmosphere in our communities, in our comings and goings, our workplaces, our politics, our schools, there's just a sense of exhaustion on every front and in every level and um, and even in our, you know, wider community in the streets that we, that we um, you know, spend time knocking shoulders with people and sharing hearts with people each day, there is a, a genuine sense of exhaustion. And I think we as Jesus people have a good news message to bring to that. Um, and so we touched into that last week. And so if you have your Bible, you might want to get it ready in Matthew chapter 11. We're going to go there in a few moments. But before we do... Um, just one thing I want to share with you this morning as, as we open this up is when, when Christ um, revealed himself to me, it was as if I'd seen someone who'd always been there but I was unable to see them. And they were right there before my eyes. He was right there all the time but I couldn't see him for the looking and, uh, and I want to sort of touch on the fact that this relationship that we're on with your journey with God, it, it, is a, it is a grace-based one and it's one of revelation. It's one where we, where at any given moment where we think we have a, a, a picture, experience and a truth of God, um, he will come along and then he will go, that's great, I'm glad you've been able to comprehend that bit, now let me show you more. And then he kind of expands that and opens that up to us a little bit more. And it's like, why haven't I always seen that? It's always been there, but just I have, it's, it's like it's been concealed, even though it's right in front of me. And I want to touch on this a little bit this morning, because I think God is continually inviting us with Jesus to come into greater measures of revelation of who he is and how we can live from him in our day-to-day living. When I was 19 and I met Jesus like for the, for the genuine time and, um, he, and I gave myself to him in that moment, there was, it, there was this reality that took place within me where everything that was empty suddenly became full. It was like everything that I was longing for suddenly became satisfied. Everything that I was um, wanting to be freed from suddenly uh, fell away as Jesus became Lord in my life. And I want to touch into that today for each and every one of us. You see, we were never made, Ortberg said it last week, and that quote will be up there this morning, we were never made to run on empty. We were always meant to run with a full tank, a full experience of God. Now, last week, uh, we talked about the dashboard of our human experience. You know, it's like, how do we tell when we're running on empty? We don't necessarily have the same indicators like a petrol tank on the dashboard of a car that sort of flashes at us or even counts us down to like, you've got 20 kilometres left, you've got 10 kilometres left, you better hurry up and get to the petrol station left. You've got this little help that helps you to understand where you're at. But for the human being, sometimes it's a bit hard to tell where we're at. 
in terms of the health of our soul and our, our soul being our will, our heart, our mind, our body. And so we, we sort of explored some of those areas of like some of the indicators of things like irritability, how are you relationally with others, what's the, why is it that in this season, you know, someone standing next to me chewing gum is more irritable in this season than it was pre-COVID. You know, what are the little telltale signs of exhaustion that are rearing themselves in your personal life and journey? Um, And part of the invitation from last week when we read Matthew chapter 11, and we're going to do that again in a moment, is the invitation from Jesus to come to him. Come to Jesus. So I want to ask you, this week, did you or were you aware of the invitations come to Jesus, the come to Jesus moments, the moments where you were like, I can't do this anymore, to in that moment hearing the invitation of Jesus saying, hey, come to me, come to me. What were those moments? What did they look like? Were they personal? Were they relational? Were they workplace stuff? Were they just like spiritual encounter type stuff? Was it personal transformation? Where were the come to Jesus moments this week? And um, let's, Max Licardo, he, he says this quote here, and I found it during the week. I was just enjoying reading through some of his book again this week called Grace. And he says this one great sentence in, on page 10 of his book. He says, grace is everything Jesus. I just sat with that for days. I just sat with that for days. Just the simplicity, the purity, and at the same time, just the scope of that statement. That Jesus is so much more than what we have decided what grace should look like. And how we often shape grace according to our sense of self rather than according to who Jesus Christ is and his faithfulness. Sometimes we just don't see what's right there in front of our eyes. A couple of little things just before we read the scripture because I think this is going to help us to understand the people that Jesus was talking to. So when Jesus was talking in Matthew chapter 11, he was talking, Matthew's gospel is primarily to Jewish people primarily to the Jewish community, who are all of a sudden starting to realise there's a new invitation coming onto their field of play in relationship with God and each other. And some people were able to see this and other people weren't. Or some people were only able to see it in part and other people weren't. Have you ever seen these two little, um, well the first one, these little uh, illusions? Like what do you see? Do you see the duck or the, or the rabbit? Who, who sees the duck? Who sees the rabbit? Who sees both? All right. See, there's, 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 there's one big picture there, but often we only see one. And yet, it, it, it's, nothing's hidden, and yet it's concealed. And this is what it's like with Jesus. He comes and he steps into the world and he's starting to talk to these people who have one way of understanding relationship with God, primarily through the covenant of Moses. They, that's their framework of understanding. And then so Jesus comes along and then he, and he presents this 
other message and ministry, and they're just like, what? I can't see it, but it's right there in front of them. And this is the dynamic that we have at play. What about this next one? This is the other classic one. Who sees the old woman or the... Who sees the old woman? Okay. Who sees the young woman? Who sees both? I'll just let it sit there with your mind for a moment. A little, ah, you know that ah moment that you just had. That's called revelation. (laughs) That's called revelation. And when God turns up with Jesus walking on the earth, all of a sudden parts of the world are looking at him going, I just can't, I just don't get it. And other parts are going, ah, I see. They have the aha moment. But this is what we are dealing with all the time in our own personal journey with God. What about this next one? This is, an, this is a, a sentence. This, this next slide is a sentence. And I want you to count the letter F. How many letter Fs are in that sentence? Just yell out a number when you think you've counted them. Three, two, three, four, five, six. <laughs> All right, there are seven. <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, thanks for the type. I didn't punch in. Yes, experience is spelt wrong. Thank you. That's a good pickup, Dave. Thanks. <laughs> I didn't hit spell check. <laughs> um, there are six. There are six letter Fs. Now, it, you'll notice you, the, the word of, O-F, the result of, years of. What tends to happen is the brain has a hard time recognising the letter F when it's connected to a letter O because it, the brain phonetically tries to interpret that and it, so it's like O-V, of, of. And so the brain just skips over it and doesn't see what's actually right there. This is what it's like. And then all of a sudden it's like, whoa, I can see clearly now what's going on. Okay, This is the nature of revelation. And so when Jesus turns up, And he makes this little statement of invitation and appeal that we're going to go to right now on the next slide in Matthew chapter 11. Grab your Bible out. This is what's going on for the people. Some of them can see it. Some of them don't. But this is what's happening. So let's read together from Matthew chapter 11, verses 25 to 30. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all of you who are wearied and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest 
for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Sometimes the whole picture is standing there in front of us, but we can't see the fullness of the invitation that the picture is inviting us into. And it's like that with God as Jesus reveals himself to us. Sometimes we don't realise the fullness of the invitation and we only live in part of that invitation, thinking that we've got the whole picture when there is more to discover. It's a concealed reality and yet it's fully there. And Jesus here in Matthew chapter 11, while he's talking you know, Matthew writes this primarily to the Jewish community. He takes great delight in the fact that Jesus has now been running around preaching and ministering this new message that the kingdom of God is at hand. He's healing the sick, delivering people of demons, he's feeding the poor, and people are starting to see the fullness of the invitation from God. They're starting to see it, not without wrestle, but they're starting to see it. And as he's writing to the, um, as Matthew's writing to these guys, you've got to understand to the Jewish community, Matthew's writing to these people that have got a massive, massive history before the moment is happening. You see, these people have had a long history and they're waiting for their Messiah, for their King to arrive and fulfill all of the prophetic hope and destiny that they as a people were promised by God through Abraham to be a blessing to the whole world. And they're waiting for this moment and they're looking at this moment. And the way that they've been living in relationship with God is that they've been living this Torah-style life, this covenant of Moses' life. This life of distance, this life of rule and regulation of relationship. But there are also these people that are in this moment, in that, that Jesus moment right there in Matthew 11, that are people that have been long devastated, like long devastated. They have been dispossessed of land, their home, their places of worship time and time again. And you just got to go back and read the long story. But there are also a people that are um, a people carrying a long promise. There are people that, are, that have been devastated, and yet they are a people at the same time that carry massive hope, like massive amounts of hope. These are not a depressed people. They are a, they're devastated. They've got a long story of God. And yet they are a people of determined hope. They are a strong people. They, they, and, and if you want to go back and have a little bit of a, a read of Jeremiah, in Jeremiah chapter 31, Jesus, uh, in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 25, God says to the people when they've been devastated and they're in exile and they've lost everything, God says to them through the prophet Jeremiah, I will refresh the weary, and I will satisfy them. So they're carrying this. They're like, we can't wait for the weariness, the fatigue to end. And we can't wait for the hope of the satisfying reality of God to just like invade here and now 
and fully make everything right. And then Jesus comes along and says, come to me, everyone who's weary. So if you're a good Jew listening to that, you're just going like, hey, hey, hey. Is this the moment? Is this what Jeremiah was talking about? The moment where God will come and make the weary refreshed? So there are these people that, that Jesus is engaging with and in a way that is kind of concealed and yet revealed all at the same time. And they're starting to come alive to this hope. Well, the first thing is that Jesus invited them in the next slide to come to him to a personal relationship with him. It's really important that we get that and understand that. I found this quote, other quote from Licardo, and I love this one. He says there, grace, God's grace, has a drenching about it, a wildness about it, a white water, riptide, turn you upside downness about it. <laughs> See, the breadth of this thing is just huge. Grace comes after you. You know, you got the story, I'm running from God. The reason why you're running is because grace is chasing. (laughs) The reason why you're running is because grace is chasing. Grace comes after you. It rewires you. Now, remember his previous quote. Grace is everything Jesus. So he's talking about Jesus. He's not talking about uh, virtues. He's talking about Jesus here. Jesus rewires you from insecure to God secure. That's, oh, I love this. From regret riddled to better because of it. From afraid to die to ready to fly. Grace is the voice that calls us to change and then gives us the power to pull it off. Yeah, man. Are you still seeing a duck or a rabbit? Or can you see both with Jesus? This is, there's, there's an eye-opening invitation here from God in this season of exhaustion where the culture and the world is so worn out and tired. Right now, Jesus steps into it with that prophetic hope of Jeremiah. And it's no, it's no longer just hope, it's fulfillment. It's breaking in. When Jesus uses that word, come to me and I will give you rest, on the next slide, that word rest is a very interesting one because we all have pictures that we lay over the top of it, right? We hear rest and I automatically go to Kings Beach, a bit of suntan oil on, beautiful 26 degrees, the, you know, a bit like today, just gorgeous. can feel the sand, the soul, that rest. Oh, yeah, baby, that's rest. Now, we read, I read that over. But actually, when Jesus says, I will give you rest, he's using a word that is associated with the coming of the end of the world. He's using an end time word. So, Because he's, what he's doing is he's pulling it from Jeremiah. He's pulling it from Jeremiah. The long hope of God is now being fulfilled. I'll give you what was promised from God all along if you just come to me, says Jesus. So it's an end of the world term. So if you have any anxiety about the end of the world, fret not. 
there is rest to be had. And even when Jesus talks about at the end in Matthew 24, again, you know, entering into your rest. These are end of the world. It's an end of the world word. Not a go on a holiday word. He's actually saying the world needs rest because it needs the king and his kingdom to come and reorder it with grace. See, that's what's happening to you and me. We're seeing a little bit of the young woman. We're seeing a little bit of the older woman. We're starting to see the whole picture with Jesus. There's more revelation than you, you could probably fill yourself with that's going on here. But this is an invitation to rest in the truth that Jesus is making everything right and that the end of the world has now come in him. And we can rest in him. We can see him making things ordered by his love, his power, and his, his, his kingdom. So Jesus says we're invited to him to come and have rest on the next slide. Rest from what? Well, primarily in this situation here is rest from the Mosaic Covenant, which was the Torah, which was the law of God. And actually, if you go back to Exodus 20, chapter 20, that whole thing came about because God said to the people, after he delivered them from Egypt, was walking them around, you know, the desert for a bit, he says, Everyone, Moses, get everyone and I w- I'm going to come down on that mountain and I want everyone to come and meet with me as the one who delivered them and giving them a new life. And they get to that moment and Moses says, all right, everyone, let's go. And everyone can see a little bit of God. It's, it's like a pretty full-on experience. It's dark clouds, there's thunder, there's lightning, it's like the earth's shaking and everyone's like, Ah, yeah, Moses, it's all yours, man. You go up, you go up, you do the thing with God, you come back and tell us all about it. What they did in that moment was they chose to, let's say, let's use the language of our culture today, they chose to socially distance from God. Right there in that moment. And from that moment forward, God said, well, I'm heartbroken about this. I want intimacy with you. I want nearness. I want closeness. I want the Garden of Eden all over again for you and for, for, for all of humanity. And they're saying, nah. <laughs> Just give us a, a code of behaviour that keeps you over there and us over here so that we can be aware of each other but we can be appropriately apart from each other. Man. So this is what... Rest is. It's coming out from being distanced from God. Jesus is saying, you know what happened on the mountain back there in Exodus 20? That's over. I've come to give you rest. I'm going to come and take all of the pressure, all of the weight, all of the fear, all of the anxiety off of your life if you just come to me and let me bring you back into God's love. And rest into what? Well, it's a new covenant. It's a grace-filled covenant. It's a covenant of intimacy. It's a covenant of God's generous giving. Next slide. Who gets to enter it? 
this is what I love. <laughs> Jesus is really going after part of the audience that's there. You know, all of the people of higher learning and higher education, the philosophers, the thinkers, the, the, the rabbis, the, the religious leaders. He's, he's going after the, the, you know, the philosophical thinkers. He's going after all them. He's saying, wow, guess who it is that's actually entering into the big picture of God right now? It's not you highbrow thinkers. It's not you who think you've got it all thought out. It's, your thinking is actually stopping you from seeing the full picture and you're not entering into any rest. You don't have a rest-filled life. You don't have a satisfied life. You don't have a sense of rhythm and grace and relational nearness to God and people. You don't have that because you're living according to your own high-browed philosophical understandings of what you think it should be like and what God should be like. And just says, you're not entering the kingdom because of that. And then look, I love it. God loves needy people. Let me just say that. God loves needy people. Because needy people are humble people. Needy people realise their need. Highbrow people, people who are no longer able to understand their, their need, they live in this false bubble of self, you know, self-security and self-sufficiency and, and, um, and you know, vision and plan for life. The wise, the learned, the self-sufficient. But Jesus says it's actually... Not you guys that get to go in. You, you, you're missing it. It's the weary. It's the ones who are exhausted from living at a distance with God. It's those that are weary of having to keep running because grace is chasing. <laughs> it's the weary ones, the ones who are ready to go, oh, I just give up and let you t- come and take my life and make sense of it. Or you can live according to your own highbrow thinking. The weary, the exhausted, the burdened, the heavy laden, the loaded up, those that are still trying to live in relationship with God on our own esteem and effort. Jesus has come to set us free from all of that. Right now, our world, you and me, the people in our streets, they need to know that God has come to the weary. God has come to the needy, and there is a beautiful invitation there to receive a whole new way of living life. Have you ever noticed that those who seem to experience the kingdom of God most fully, most generously, are the ones that we think never should? (laughs) Who put that lens in us? (laughs) The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, change the way you think, Let God show you the whole picture of just how gracious he really is.